You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number 54. This week's topic, the keys to freedom. Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. My name is Dave Stahoviak. And my name is Sandy Morgan. And this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. Sandy, it is always a pleasure to be with you to, uh, for us to talk about topics around human trafficking that will help us all get more tools and resources to be able to combat this. And again, today we have a great guest. And oh I'm my goodness, so Dave. Glad. It is perfect. I um I hosted in April an amazing leader and activist um for children and marginalized women in India at the Global Center for Women and Justice and after the event so many people said we didn't get to meet Anuradha Bosali mm. so I asked if she could um join us on our podcast and so Anuradha Bosali we are very happy to have you with us today Thank you Everyone who attended your lecture um, at the Global Center for Women and Justice went away encouraged and inspired to do more themselves. One of the quotes that my students turned in when they did their reflection papers um, mm-hmm. was that this woman saw something, stopped what she was doing, and went and did something right now. She didn't wait to put together a plan. She just did it now. So um, that was that was inspiring to them. So tell us a little bit about your background, um, Anuradha. Where were you born, and a little bit about your family? Um, I was born in a, a small village of uh, state of Maharashtra, India, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, like uh, it was maybe like around twelve hundred families village, and. Uh, uh, it's, it was been uh, during that time like uh, we had a caste system existing in our country and of course it exists now also but uh, uh, that was uh, the time where it was very much strong so and explain come, explain for people what a caste system means for you uh, in uh, a caste system in India is there are four type of caste are considered the highest are uh, the Brahmins, then we have Kshatriya, then Shudra, uh, Vaishya, and Shudra. So, uh, according to the Indian uh, society, uh, we were considered as the low, lowest caste, lowest strata of the society. Mm. And uh, actually, uh, when I look back, there is no caste system that exists, but some people who had more resources, more wealth, and their colors were good. They just wanted to rule on the people who did not have anything. So, so uh, we were considered as a lower caste and untouchables. They did not have any means of living, no livelihoods meaning means, and also uh, no education. We were not allowed to go in the schools. We were not allowed to go to any temples. We were not allowed to drink water from the common taps, common resources. 
you are not allowed to drink the tea in the uh, hotels and also we were not allowed uh, to like if uh, if the higher caste people walk uh, on that road we were not allowed to walk from on that road our ways used to be different so this was the system which was so humiliating you know and which was uh, not seeing us as a human beings and it was uh, treating us as a very uh, low uh, levels you know and uh, this made many people's life miserable and that was just in the mind of few you know those who were ruling so and it still exists in some of the other ways in many places also today also but those were the day though it was very uh, bad things so and now you are um an amazing leader so how did you go from being an untouchable to who you are today because um, as a child you were a child labor right yes i was a child labor since we did not have any means of living no identification in the society and my father could hardly get some education with the help of missionaries when when british came to india along with some missionaries used to get opportunity to come and see what is the life of the untouchables so they spread around in our states and they came even to our villages and then they started the hospital dispensaries the schools kindergartens for these poor people those who were isolated and neglected so that's the way my forefathers especially my father, grandfathers fathers they they were accepted by the missionaries and then that's the way they liked christianity because they really experienced that that religion really gave them human life brought them into a humanity back into humanity so with that help we could come hello yes yes with that help we could come to a better place from our village and my father could get little job but then we were so many children and i had to support the family so right from the age of 6 i started working as a domestic servant in some places i used to work in three houses and uh, support my family and go to school but the family those who uh, gave me jobs uh, work they used to help me by putting me in the school but those were very hard days still you know i still when i look back to my childhood i feel very sad that i when my classmates were playing on the ground i could not go for to play with them when they had nice clothes and they had nice opportunities and they had nice food we did not get that but i was fortunate enough that we got uh, the christian missionaries who really prayed for our family supported us uplifted us and took us to the uh, different level i got education school uh, high school education because of the missionary then later on uh, for my higher education also uh, all the missionaries the priests and the churches helped me and of course i was very hard working very uh, courageous and uh, very studious and that's the way the missionary they identified that qualities in me and they helped me and i i made the best out of that opportunities 
and I got best education in universities. So uh, uh, still, even though I got educated, still in the back in the villages, the situation does not change so much. People still see us as a downtrodden, but we don't care. We, we are educated and we can make a lot of difference today. So, so when you started the Women in Child Rights campaign, um, yes. you're educating and empowering women and children, uh, women who are widows, uh, because they don't realize that there is any way to get help or any way to change things. They don't recognize their own human rights. Yes. So how so, how do you help them? Uh, so uh, first of all, I have what pains I have gone through. I exactly know why these women and children need help. And I, like I was given opportunity, I think just a matter of opportunity and encouragement and motivation is required for these masses and these groups. So with that, uh, I'm very much uh, uh, enlightened to go and motivate so many women and work with the children, give them opportunities, tell them what are their rights, because unless they know about their rights and about their uh, strength, they will not come out of their shell. So as I went through, so I, that's my efforts to teach and motivate and educate each and every human beings who are exploited by uh, different people. So when I ask you about um, the street children and how you helped them, I remember that you talked to me about teaching literacy to their mothers. Why, if you're going to help the children, do you teach um, literacy to the mothers? Um, in fact, uh, after working 19 years on these issues, with these issues, I think unless you save the mothers, unless you work with these women, uh, it, it won't be effective to work with the children because the mothers, they are more vulnerable they are unhealthy, they are malnourished. And another part, if these mothers become mentally strong for their rights, for their uh, education of their children, for the rights of the health of the, their children, and once they are motivated, then they go on to fight for their justice. So that's the reason, and I have experimented this in so many places, so many villages today with that, Mothers who are motivated, they go and ask for their rights. So unless you educate, save the mother or educate the mother, the next generation is not going to get a proper uh, education or output of this uh, uh, proper life, you know. So when I looked into human trafficking in India, when I first was investigating that, I saw pictures of very, very small children in the brick factories. And um, I understand that you decided to do something for the children in the brick factories. Yes. Um, Actually, a lot of migration because India has so many parts and basically the parts from where, where I come from, state of Maharashtra, there are nine districts, huge population, and they don't have good rains. Uh, and whatever rain is there, the the political willpower is not there to conserve that water, whatever rain they get. And that's why for years and years they have drought, and people with that, people don't have means of living. 
So they migrate to the places where there are rivers and where there is good soil. For six months to eight months, they migrate along with their families and they are bonded laborers. And they have they take some advance money from the employ uh, from the owner of brickyard, and in return, the whole family has to work. So along with that, the uh, migration with the family, the child's life becomes mostly so miserable that child has to work right from four year child works right from the uh, five o'clock to uh, one o'clock in the mor- uh, afternoon and then take just half an hour break and again work. So that hampers the whole health, education, all the, that violates the rights of the child and all the human uh, beings, you know. So uh, every year, uh, my group, my team, we go and identify such children. We take the kindergarten, the schools in their doors, collect the children, educate the children, uh, collect them, uh, uh, organize the mother, give them vaccination, and teach them about health and hygiene. Whatever time limits they have, five, ten minutes, we talk with these mothers and give them education on how to upbring the children, how to do the breastfeeding, how to uh, educate the child, and if there is injustice. And we have also started microfinance groups with these women on brickyards. So uh, this work with child and mother again on brickyard. And there's so much exploitation we see and with working since 13 years especially on brickyard we have been able to prevent many uh, bad elements in their lives so many times we talk about rescuing children from trafficking but you're preventing them from becoming victims of being exploited in slavery yes so how do you how do you know when you're successful if you can't necessarily count um the ones that you've taken out of slavery although you've done that as well hundreds of them hundreds of them yes. how yes. how do you get people to understand that prevention is really important anti-trafficking work um the prevention uh like every day uh, it's it's very difficult to, to educate even uh, so many donors and so many people at the grassroots and those who support us that the prevention is necessary factor. And I see as an activist that today I'm working with 40 children, but what about children who are going to lie as a, come on the street as a child labor? Tomorrow 40,000 children will come. Wow. So prevention is to working with the system bringing systematic changes with the government, with the policies, so that uh, after uh, 15, I I visualize after 10 to 12 years uh, of my work, year after, uh, there should not be children on the road uh, engaged in human trafficking, uh, and uh, especially for prostitution, for the child labor, because it's needed to work on whatever existing laws are there to... uh, enforce and educate government to implement those laws strictly so and along with the and along with the government uh, we as a support system helping government if they have mm. any difficulties yes we call and, that partnership and we talk yes, about our we, resources and expertise give us an example of one of the ways you worked with the system to help um, protect the rights of children um like uh 
in, in, when Indian constitution was formed in 1949 and it came into existence and implementation uh, from 1950. Uh, the constitution says from right after implementation of constitution, within 10 years there will be right to education act will be passed and every child from 6 to 14 will get right to education. But our government did not do anything for 64 years and when I started working in the network in India on this issue from 2002 to 2007, endlessly we fought with government, we protested, we came on the road with the network, my more than 3 lakhs people came on the road asking for the right to education. That was just to prevent child labor and child trafficking and uh, uh, protect the childhood of every child who is born in India. And with much of hard work in 1st April 2010, government of India passed the law on right to education. Very so good. So this is, this is a great success story mm. that government of India with people's force, they, have to, they had to find, because we were ready to go in the Supreme Court of India, and then the state and central government, federal government comes together and passes the law. So this is the success story with working with the system and making them do the right things. So when women learn that their children have the right to education and they um, begin to understand their human rights as well, the entire community changes. Yes. And But they don't... Um, they don't cause problems necessarily for the community. You described how they go to the um, community leaders. Tell us about that. I didn't get the question. Oh, you, you told us how the women um, come and stand in the government places um, yes. to, to I, I don't know if I want to use the word protest, but to yes. have their voice heard. Yes. And how did you get them to do that, that they would have that hope? Um, actually, it was initial stage stages. It was very hard, mm. but we had, especially with women, we have night meetings. When uh, in the villages, women finish their work, all the work in the nights, and that's it's it's not one night or one meeting job. We I had a rapid building uh, process with them for three and a half years, wow. and then we shared them with some success story. And when few leaders came ahead, we trained this leader, we showed them some movies. I showed, I took them to different places where how the women work in state of Maharashtra, like them, uneducated women go and teach lesson to government on several things. And then these women came and then that, with that they got ready. And when they saw the, these women seek a lot of publicity in the newspaper, eh, on the television, and, and the uh, bureaucrats are really they become very unsafe when, and they become very disturbed and they really immediately want to do something. So that's, that is the way we made this woman aware. See how everything keeps on moving when you come together. When one come together, if one person protest doesn't happen anything. If thousands come, government really uh, opens their eyes. So with that way, you know, it was difficult. But once they saw the results, you know, now I have to stop them, you know, <laughs> but they go on. And that's, that's the success, you know, that they really don't need me. If anything happens at the grassroots in the village, they then say, take the action. And then they let me know, yeah, this is what happened. And we did this. And what do you feel about that? Then I 
I just, we, we teach them the strategies, how to talk, how to talk with the government officer, how to get the things done, how, well, initially you should be polite, three times give them chance, fourth time, how one can go ahead. So that is the uh, strategy we teach them, you know. Well, your statistics are amazing. Um, you've, you've rescued and repatriated um, 341 child laborers back into society as productive working citizens just in 2010 with the assistance of trained village adults, WCRC, 3,741 widows, divorced, and abandoned women started to receive government benefits. Then their children no longer needed to be institutionalized, and now they reside with their families. That reduces the risk of those children from becoming child trafficking, child labor trafficking victims. And in the, um, the International Labor Organization, they tell us that um, 50% of human trafficking victims around the world are children. And if there are um, 165 million children worldwide, the ages of 5 to 14, involved in child labor, we need to figure out how to help those communities protect the children because we can never build enough um, homes and schools to house them all. Although you are building a home for those that um, there is no place to send them, right? Yes. And uh, institutionalization is, uh, should be a last alternative yes. for this. But uh, I feel that the, all the India has, central and state government has different departments who are not doing their jobs like health department, education department, women and child welfare department, they are really not reaching to the people. So it's again on prevention that they should be channelized and they should be uh, like uh, strengthened that it is their job. Mm -hmm. They need to do it. And while doing that, you know, at the higher level officers, the uh, politicians who are doing well so far in India, their attention on these costs can be uh, taken. So uh, institutionalizing the child is, I don't, I'm not for that. When there is absolute problem and child does not have anywhere to go, then child can be there. But these many children do not need institutions. I love Once their parents are given, uh, like India has so many schemes like um, employment guarantee scheme, most of the places that scheme is on the paper. Mm. So if that scheme is been implemented, if people are given minimum wages, equal wages, men and women, and right to education act is imposed well in every grassroots. So we, we really do not need any institution to send the children. I love that. Human rights speaking up for your, the rights that um, are God-given, are, 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 we're created in the image of God, we're the humanity, and then education rights, these are really valuable. But sometimes there are kids, there are children in the streets that are really difficult to reach. And I know that you are very creative, and I know you met some kids who were very difficult, and so you decided to make friends with them. How did you do that? Yes. Yeah, you're uh, laughing. Like, uh-huh. like uh, when I started working that with the children, especially, um, 
realized that uh, one police officer came in touch with me and he said that many children are involved in pickpocketing and of course i wanted to work with them so i told them told him that let me experiment with the children instead of sending them to the uh, they send they say remand home in india uh, to the jail or wherever uh, children's home let me experiment with the children and then uh, i started living on them on the street and three weeks i i decided we had a good rapport building with each other and i decided i asked them the i asked the children that can they teach me pickpocketing <laughs> because they were involved in pickpocketing so they were thrilled they said oh yes we got another partner to do pickpocketing and i told them my role my responsibilities and then with that in our railway station and ac stand and public places i with four five of us started going during the days and late in the evening pickpocket many people and uh, within 3 weeks we earned more than like 7000 rupees i don't know how much it comes in a dollar but uh, hello yes i uh, we earned more than 7000 rupees but the condition was that we are not going to spend that money we are every day after pickpocketing we used to walk to our institution 15 kilometers and we used to have our food and then there i oriented them about our organization how we are working with mm. children how your life can change how you can uh, put yourself in the school and they were not ready for two weeks but slowly they got like i engaged them in the morning prayers which we have uh, in the morning at 6 o'clock they exercised with the children we gave them like clothes gave them water to have a bath and those children really felt that they are loved you know loved by someone and i really loved them from bottom of my heart and then uh, after three weeks are over i talked with my team uh, my organization team that i would like to continue the children in this institution then my team was shocked they said no we don't want the children because if they they are not going to change immediately but if they commit any robberies uh, our organization will be in trouble so seeing their response i said okay then i i'll take the responsibility and i have a very small house rented house so i kept all these four children in my house and we stayed like a family i trusted them i loved them they took all the responsibility in my family we prayed in the morning we prayed in the afternoon in the night you know it was they never experienced that love and family life earlier because their parents they stay, stay on the streets they don't mm. have houses they never experienced that 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 type of life so they started i mean we really got to know each other well and after staying with me for 8 months i put them back slowly people started accepting them they did very good job and then we put them back they are in our institution they lost their uh, father and the mother uh, we have found some employment for her but the children are in gone in 10 standard now that is 10 grade is a very important grade after that you go in 11th and 12th and start your uh, college life and these children have dreams to become go in military and become uh, uh, do different things for the nation so this is the way the transformation of the heart and mind through the actions yes so you uh, take any action you can find 
to engage and to educate and shape and mold and create community around children that and that changes their lives. Yes. I um I want people to learn more about what you're doing. You're my only friend I have who knows how to be a pickpocket. Maybe <laughs> I'm going to come and let you teach me. <laughs> Um, but tell us, my listeners will want to know more about your work. So tell us how we can contact you. Um, we've got uh, uh, the website uh, on uh, www.gophilanthropic.com. Okay, Go Philanthropic. And is there also a website I- for Avani? Uh, we don't have a website yet. We'll be developing oh, okay. it very soon. So we'll, but there is another website when you, where you can see our work, uh, www.gandhiforchildren.com. Gandhi for Children. And we partnered with the Gandhi Worldwide Education Foundation to um, when we had you at Vanguard in April. And yes, we, will yes. have, we will have a link to your website on yes. our website. Um, resource page and on this podcast in the show notes. Absolutely. And I've just been, uh, Sandy, I haven't said a thing because I've just been so overwhelmed with the story and just so humbled by the story that you've shared and the work that you're doing with children. You know, just what a wonderful, what a wonderful, caring and loving person you are for the world. And uh, gosh, what I, I hope that everyone who's listening goes and looks at your website and learns more about your work and supports you in whatever way they can. What, uh, what an amazing thing you're doing in the world. Thank you so much for um, becoming a friend of Vanguard's Global Center for Women and Justice. We I, look forward to... Thank you very to, much. It's my pleasure. Yes. And, I met um, a person like you because I also learned a lot from you, Sandra. Oh. I, it's, it's, it's my... Uh, the more I people I get into touch with, that's my wealth, you know. I learn more and more every day, day by day, you know. We are lifelong learners, and we have to be to find every available means to end the exploitation of um, humanity in modern-day slavery. Yes, and I have given my whole life for this work, and I I have been jailed for 27 times for this work by government. 27 and, times. Yes. 20, we, 27 times I have been jailed. We and will... Um, very bad treatment by police and government, but still I never gave up and I will never give up on my work. Don't give up. Don't give up. And we want you to come back again and again and hopefully we'll be able to come to see you and oh, work with you. Be, that All right. be our great pleasure. And if you want to find um, resources, go to gcwj.vanguard.edu on our website. And you can call us with feedback, 714-966-6360. Hey, Sandy, it was great to connect with you. Yeah, thank you. Have a great week, everyone.